0: You know, um, I was thinking this week about the story in the book of Job, not a book of the Bible that most people want to read uh, because it's so painful. But uh, I was thinking about how Job was suffering. And I don't know if you know this story or you remember this story, but as Job was suffering, um, three friends came along, you know, to comfort him. And they gave him potentially the worst advice the world's ever heard. You know, all kind of things that, you know, maybe you sinned, maybe you did this. uh, And and they really didn't encourage him very much at all. And what I found just by living a little while is everybody hurts sometimes. Everybody has pain. Everybody goes through hard times. Everybody has doubts. Everybody has fears. Everybody has some point in their life when they hurt. And if you've ever had the unfortunate um, opportunity... To have someone come along in that moment, even if they mean well, and say something that, you know, they shouldn't say, um, it, it's, it doesn't help anything at all. So, so I was thinking this week about some of the things that people sometimes say to people who are hurting. Uh, sometimes they're trying to help. Sometimes they just don't understand. But here's some of the things that, w- that we've sometimes heard, you know. Hey, uh, it could be worse. You know, you could have broken both legs. Not very helpful. I believe in you. You'll bounce back soon. If you've ever been in a lot of pain, you know what they just did is gave you another job. Hurry up and get better because the rest of us are tired of seeing you hurt. I know how you feel. Really? I know how you feel. You know exactly how I feel? How do you know exactly how I feel? This is nothing. I I once saw this new reality show called Worst Case Scenario Ever. And there was this guy that had it so much harder than you. Oh, well, thank you. I feel so much better now. Yes, but think of all the starving people in poor countries. Yes, that's what I need to be thinking about right now. Relax. This is my favorite. Relax. It's all part of God's plan. Oh, yay. I feel so much better now. It's all part of God's plan, this incredible pain I'm in. Look at all the things you have to be thankful for. This is behind you now. It's time to get on with your life. At least it's not as bad as the time I went through it. Oh, that's encouraging. Now you'll find out who your real friends are. Great. Not only am I hurting, you just told me I'm about to lose friends. Maybe God's punishing you. Have you done something wrong? Credible. Some people just have the gift of encouragement, don't they? You're not going to let this get you down, are you? You know, Jesus never said things like that. Jesus understood people's pain, and he knew how to really help. Jesus said things like this. I came to bring abundant life. Jesus said things like this. Your sins are forgiven. Now go and sin no more. He said things like this. I came to set the captive free. So today we're starting a new series. We're just calling Jesus Man of Hope. Our vision as a church is to be a movement of hope. But before there was a movement of hope, there was a man of hope. That's where it all started. It all started, as we just sang a few minutes ago, in one person. Jesus, if you understand this language, Jesus is the OG. Anybody know what OG is? He's the original gangster. He's the original man of hope. It all started with him. If Jesus never came to the world, we would have no hope. Right? That's what Paul said. If he had not died and resurrected from the dead, we'd have no hope. So when Jesus came to the earth, he brought the hope of eternity with him. And as we make our way toward Easter, we're going to be talking about what Easter is about, and that is Jesus himself. So everywhere Jesus went, he brought people hope. He gave blind people sight. He empowered crippled people to walk again. He opened deaf people's ears. He lifted the poor. He lifted the broken. He lifted the orphan. He lifted the widow. He set people free who were oppressed by darkness. He welcomed children. He welcomed tax collectors. He welcomed sinners. He, he, he one time even defended a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit of power, and how he went around doing good. You know what I've, I've found? It's a lot easier to do bad than it is to do good. You know why? Doing good's hard, doing bad's easy. You can give anybody a piece of your mind, you can, you can give anybody a gesture in the traffic, in the car in front of you. It's easy to fly off the handle, it's easy to do whatever you want, it's easy to say whatever you want, it's easy to let some information out that's none of your business. It's easy to cut a corner, it's easy to take something that's not yours, it's hard to do good, why? Because we live in a bad world. And that's what made Jesus shine like a light. Everywhere he went, he went doing good. Jesus would go from town to town doing good everywhere. And as he did that, people started to follow him, sometimes even crowds of thousands. And on his way to one of these towns, a man came and met Jesus and said, My daughter's dying. Like she's on her deathbed, she's dying. Would you come and see her and help her? You can imagine, if you've ever been in a life or death situation, how many of you have ever been in a life or death situation? Have you ever been in that? You don't forget it, do you? There's an urgency and an adrenaline and a rush about that moment that nothing else brings to you. So imagine Jesus in his humanity realizes he is in a life or death situation and he is The the urgency is thick in the air. He and his disciples are making a beeline toward this little girl who's dying. And as Jesus is on his way to see this girl, he runs into one of those crowds of thousands of people who are jammed into a town who all want to see him. You ever tried to work your way through a crowd to get to somewhere else? It's complicated. And in Mark chapter 5, we pick the story up there, verse 25. Verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. All right, think about that. She's checked, she's gone to a general practitioner, she's gone to multiple specialists, you know, she's done the whole thing that she knows how to do. She has spent all she has. She's already uh, uh, spent all the money that she had on physicians and cures. But here's what happened instead of it getting better, Despite all she spent and all the solutions she sought out, it got worse. But when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Now, I want you to imagine for a minute, this lady's been suffering for 12 years and she suddenly interrupted Jesus on his way to see a sick little girl. She didn't mean to interrupt him. She wasn't trying to interrupt him. She was just trying to sneak in, touch his robe, sneak away, and not be seen. But she actually did interrupt him even though she was trying to be as discreet as possible. For 12 years, she'd been doing her best to get well. For 12 years now, she's been seeking healing and solutions. She's now broke, And she's at the end of of, of all hope. She's exhausted all her options. And, And if you've ever battled a chronic health problem, you know it will break your bank and it will break your spirit. And that's where this woman is. But somewhere, this is what I want you to see. She got the idea, if I can just touch his robe, maybe he'll heal me. Maybe I'll be cured. Where did she get that idea from? Where do you think that she... She got the idea. Why do you you think she thought touching Jesus might help her? Well, the Bible actually tells us. Jesus had healed a series of people in that region with dreaded diseases before he ever met her. With leprosy and paralysis and all kinds of stuff. And people would touch him and they'd be cured. So as Jesus would help these hopeless people, uh, uh, he helped a possessed man on the other side of the lake and he comes over here and these stories are circulating about what happened. Look at Mark 5:19. Go home a- after Jesus healed this possessed man, here's what he said, "Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you." So the man went home and began to tell Now that's what I want you to focus on this morning. This lady had hope because people around her had begun talking about Jesus. So what can you and I today learn from the man of hope? Number one, first we can learn talking about Jesus gives hope. Because he's the man of hope. Twelve years is a long time to deal with a sickness that just keeps getting worse. Twelve years is a long time to hope the next doctor, the next specialist, the next miracle cure. You know the next mail order thing off TV or whatever it is it, it's a long time to go through that kind of suffering only to realize despite all your best efforts despite spending all the money you have you're worse than when you started she would she would have never had a reason to press through the crowd and touch Jesus unless the people had been talking about Jesus can I tell you something that will never change word of mouth Is still the most effective way that people learn about Jesus. Isn't that what happened uh, last week when Pastor Larry was here and he was talking about the people who had fled from other countries into, into Vienna, Austria? If you were here last week, you heard those stories. Somebody told them, here's where you can get help. And then when they followed up, then they began to find Jesus. So let me ask you a question this morning. If word of mouth is the most effective way that people find Jesus and word of mouth is the way that people, when we talk about Jesus, hope rises, what do you talk about? We talk about the weather. We talk about politics. We talk about our pets. We talk about our health. We talk about our clothes. We talk about fashion. We talk about travel. We talk about new restaurants. We talk about coronavirus. Come on, somebody. Right? It's not even in Alabama yet. Yeah, praise the Lord. Probably yet, but it's not here yet. But, you know, the bread and the milk's already gone. You know, I don't know what's happening. A few weeks ago, one of my sons and I were hiking at a local, um, uh, hiking a trail. And we happened up on this guy sitting right by the trail watching his, I guess, um, uh, one of his relatives and a pet down in the creek, you know. So we went by and and he just starts talking. And he said, oh, see that rock up there? There's a trail that goes around there. You can go through that rock. And he goes, and look at all that spray paint on the rock. Those kids have just come and destroyed all this. He said, and I guarantee you it's those kids that are on the computers all the time. That's who does it. It's the kids that are on the computers all the time. That's what he said. And then he said, I'll tell you what, if I'd have done something like that when I was a kid, I'd have gotten beaten, and when I got home, I'd have got it again. And he said, and you know what? And the Amazon forest is disappearing. Did you hear about those guys down in the Amazon? I never even met the guy. I didn't know his name. You know those guys down in the Amazon forest? They've been cutting those trees down. They came in to cut the trees down, and these, these uh, natives saw them, and they ran them off, and they came back and got guns. They came back and killed them all. And did you know that it's the, the habitat of the largest eagle in the world, and their habitat's disappearing? I, and I was sitting there thinking, huh? <laughs> you know, I thought, brother, you've been watching the news too much. I, I almost said, okay, boomer, but I, I didn't want to. Because next year it'll be okay, Gen Xer, and then it'll be me. And so I thought, no, I wouldn't do that. But I, I finally I said, you know what, though? It's rained so much. Isn't it a beautiful day today? Why don't we enjoy it? We're out here. You know, I thought I didn't come out here to hear four hours of the news. We're out here. What do you talk about? Because I, I didn't leave that encounter with very much hope. I thought, oh my gosh, I, I was happy till I met him. thought the world's about to end. <laughs> and his parents were going to come beat me or something. Let, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had one of these things happen to you? After you were saved, there was a miracle. I mean, I mean you don't, don't make it up, okay? I'm not just asking for positive answers. But you, you know for a fact after you're a Christian there was a miracle in your life, some kind of miracle. How many of you would say that? Okay. How, how many of you would say that at any point in your life God healed your body in such a way that it's obvious that it wasn't modern medicine, that it was a supernatural work of God? How many of you would say that? Okay. A L- lot of you. How many of you have ever had God Work in the circumstances of your life in a supernatural way. You go, boy, that wasn't a coincidence. Yeah. A lot of, okay. How many of you have ever had God work in a way in your life that a relationship was restored? There was healing in a relationship? Yes? Okay. What, what about, um, this is the easier one. What about you say, I know that I know that I know that this prayer I prayed was answered? Yes? Okay. Uh, What about you say, I've been reading the Bible or I've heard a sermon or something and God revealed this truth to me that became so clear. Yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, uh, let me ask you this question. You don't have to raise your hand. When's the last time you told anybody about that stuff? What do you talk about? Because when you talk about Jesus, when you talk about God, hope rises. Because he's the, he's the man of hope. Romans ten fourteen in the message says, but how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? God has sent you and he has sent me to talk about him because when we talk about him, hope rises. So, so how does this look? Yeah, go ahead. That's fine. Isn't that great? Isn't that right? So, so how does this look? Listen, every one of us has had someone talk to us about whatever, faith, religion, Jesus, in, in a way that was weird. Okay, everybody's had that. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about you know. Uh, uh, we don't have to have talking points. We don't have to memorize things. We don't have to wait for a door to open and then try to force a conversation. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I remember when I was in college, and I, I've told this story before, but we were we were uh, uh, sharing our faith at a concert, you know, and 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 I and I saw these people, well-meaning people, who were actually. I know it's it's like a, you can't, can't even imagine this happen but they were actually chasing people that were running from them because they were trying to tell them about Jesus. Like I saw it, and I went, this is terrible. Like this is not working, and it's not going to work. I'm not talking about that. I once got trapped in an elevator with a guy that was trying to witness to me. I didn't have the heart to tell him I was a pastor. I was like, a guy, you're just, you're, just, you're just pushing and pushing and pushing. You don't have to push. Listen, uh, here's the thing. God didn't call you and I to change the world because we can't. He called us to love the world. And love will open a person's heart. Not a talking point, not I want you to become a member of my church, not I want you to be a, a good little religious person like me. None of that. That's not hope, that's religion. Jesus came to do away with that kind of stuff. So how can you tell people about God? Tell them about the good things he's done for you. The best thing you can tell anybody is about the good things that God has done for you. So maybe you say, you know, I was divorced. Or I lost my dad when I was young. It took me a while to get through it. But God really helped me. That's it. You don't have have to lay out, here's the ABCs of accepting Christ as your Savior. You just plant a seed. And when you plant a seed and you point toward Him, it brings hope. And they begin to think that seed is planted and somebody else will come along and water it. Somebody else will come along and till the soil around it. And God will use it. I grew up in a lot of pain. But boy, God did a lot of work in my life, and I needed him to do it. That's just an honest statement of hope. I've been praying for you. How are you doing? Hope. But uh, uh, At our church, we've been doing a series about this exact thing. And man, it has really encouraged me. Period. You don't have to, you don't have to say more. You're just planting seeds. You're a farmer. You're planting seeds. We're going on a missions trip with our church this summer, and I'm so excited. Would you, would, you, would you like to come to church with us this Easter? You're just planting a seed. See, we're not trying to change people. We're trying to love people. We're trying to plant a seed of hope and water it and let it grow. Because when we talk about Jesus, hope rises. Do you know why the 1040 window is the most hopeless place in the whole world? Because nobody's talking about Jesus. That's the problem. And if we're not careful, we can become practical atheists. Where we believe in God, we just don't ever talk about him. So what's the most effective way to plant a seed of hope? It's to talk about Jesus. When we talk about Jesus, hope rises. This suffering woman tried to find Jesus because she heard other people talking about him and it gave her hope that he could help her. When she saw him, she realized this may be her only chance. So in desperation, she reached out. But look in uh, verse 29 what happened. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. So, number one, talking about Jesus brings hope. Number two, touching Jesus brings wholeness. Wholeness. In seconds, she began to feel something she hadn't felt in 12 years. Healthy. She hadn't felt health. She hadn't felt, felt strength. No more doctors, no more shame, no more avoiding people. No more having to separate herself from her family. No more questions like, what's wrong with you? No. Now, now she could go home, she was cured, she was thrilled. But what happened next surprised everybody. Look what happened next in verse 30. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now, now remember... He's on his way to save a dying girl. What does it even matter? Why did he do that? You see the people uh, uh, crowding against you. Here's his disciples. And yet you ask, who touched me? What they're thinking is, who didn't touch you? It's like you're jammed in a phone booth with 300 people. What are you talking about? Who touched me? Everybody touched you. They don't understand. But Jesus kept looking. He wouldn't be distracted by that. He kept looking to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she realized, I touched him. Uh-oh, it worked. <laughs> and then and then she was caught, and now she went, uh, I don't know. Maybe he'll take it away. You know, I don't know. So knowing what happened to her, she came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. She told the whole truth. This was a surprise, first off, because the disciples were thinking, what do you mean, who touched you? Everybody touched you. It was also a surprise because the little girl he was going to see was getting worse. She was on her deathbed. Why would he take time to ask the question when he needs to keep moving? Well, if you read the story in the original language it was written in, it was written in Greek and not in English. And you can see some things when you read it in Greek that you can't see when you read it in English. There are two different words used to describe what happened to this lady. Verse 29 says, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body she was freed from suffering. The Greek word there means she was physically healed. She was physically cured, but watch this. In verse 34, we haven't gotten to this part of the story yet. At the end, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. That's not the same word. The first first words mean you've been physically healed. This word is the Greek word sozo, which means not that you've just been physically healed, but you have been brought into a state of wholeness. Your mind, your body, and your soul have been made whole. Your faith has healed you, not just part of you, but all of you's been healed. I, I can remember when I was a teenager, I hadn't been saved maybe a year, and there was a guy in our church um, who gave his testimony. And he'd had some kind of terrible cancer. He was young. He was. Uh, we went to high school together, but he was ahead of me quite a bit, uh, three or four or five years. But I remember him giving his testimony, and um, he gave this incredible testimony about how God had healed him of cancer. Now that was shocking to me. And remember, I'd only been saved a year, okay? So I didn't understand how, how all this worked. Uh, but I was shocked because I thought he's not very spiritual. Like, he, like, I didn't even know he was saved, to be honest with you. And then when I heard he was giving his testimony, I thought, well, that's weird. I didn't know you had a testimony. <laughs> I thought he was just hanging around the church because he was dating one of the younger girls in the church. That's what I thought he was doing there. He was always the plus one, you know what I mean? And so I thought, I didn't know you were even a Christian, let alone very spiritual, and now you're giving a testimony about how God healed you of cancer. And, but then he just kind of continued to live the same life that he lived. And that was confusing to me because I thought, I thought when God did a miracle in your life, like that, like that was it. E- either you were spiritual and God healed you, or God healed you and you became spiritual. I, d- I didn't understand there were different types of work that God is able to do, and and what I what I. That first introduced a question in my mind that I began to ponder as I grew in my faith, and I began to understand that God healed his body so that he would know he could heal his soul. Do you you remember the story in the Bible when the four guys brought their crippled friend and lowered him down through the ceiling when Jesus was teaching in the crowded house, and Jesus healed him, and he said, I healed his body that you might know I have the authority to forgive sin? And so this external work that Jesus often does in our life, the crisis, the pressing need that Jesus comes and relieves, is so that you and I might know that he has the power to heal your soul. I mean, when you've spent all the money you had, and you've seen all the doctors you've had, and you've suffered for 12 years, you'll try anything. She wasn't trying to have her soul healed. She was just trying to get her body fixed. But what the great physician is saying is, I specialize not only in bodies, I specialize in souls too. And I want to heal all of you, not just part of you. Why did Jesus take the time to talk with this woman? Listen to this, even after she had been cured. I mean, wasn't that the point? That was her point. I'm going to sneak in, I'm going to touch his robe, I'm going to, you know, steal a miracle and I'm going to run away, and I hope I don't get caught. And she was probably not only surprised it, was, it worked, she was surprised that Jesus even wanted to talk to her because her condition had left her rejected and shamed. And, and I, I, my guess is part of her thought when he was looking for who did it is that she's about to be embarrassed again. But, but the opposite happened. Why did Jesus stop and talk to her? Here's why. He knew if he didn't stop, she would go home healed, but not whole. Now Here's the thing. Jesus doesn't just want to meet your external need. He wants to bring you to a place of complete wholeness. So here's the question. How are you? Are you whole? How's your soul? How have you dealt with the traumatic events of your life? How have you dealt with the pain and the scars from the past? How have you dealt with the things that you have done in your own life and that others have done to you? I'm not asking if you're well. I'm not asking if you've recovered from a sickness. I'm not asking you, are you back on your feet and back up and running? I'm asking you, how is your soul? Is there a wound there that you've buried? Is there fear? Is there anger? Is there rejection? Is there trauma? Is there pain? Jesus, the man of hope, knew that she needed more than physical healing. Oftentimes we want physical healing so we can get back to our life. The problem is our life is just as bad for our soul as the sickness is for our body. But what Jesus wants to do is he wants to cleanse and heal the the outside and the inside. Jesus, the man of hope, knew what she needed. So, talking about Jesus gives hope. Touching Jesus brings holiness. Look at number three. Finding Jesus gives a new identity. Remember what I said that she's likely approaching him in shame, like, oh no, I've gotten caught. Here it comes, here it comes. Here comes rejection, here comes shame, here, here comes embarrassment, here comes what's wrong with you and you must have some hidden sin in your life or you wouldn't still have this condition. She's broke, she's poor, she's wounded, she's, she's been outcast, she's been proclaimed unclean. And in verse 34, here's what Jesus said to her when she comes down and says, it was me, I'm the one that stole the miracle. Here's what he says to her. Daughter, oh, you, we could just stop there, couldn't we? It's not a term of rejection. It's a term of great love. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Not not woman, not sick woman, not unclean woman, not stranger. Daughter, a word that speaks of family and belonging and acceptance and tenderness and love and caring. She wasn't just some woman to Jesus. She wasn't just some cripple to him. She wasn't just some poor woman to him. She was a a daughter. Daughter of God. One that would receive the best God had to give. One One that warranted Jesus slowing down on his way to save a little girl who was dying that he might heal her and bring her into wholeness and relationship. She can now go back home not as a reject, But as a daughter of God, healed from the inside out, the brokenness is gone and the bitterness is gone and the pain and suffering is gone. Her mind is clear. The spirit of life is back. Her eyes have been opened again. The joy of living has been restored to her from the inside out. Jesus, the man of hope, brought her great hope. And and I've got good news for you today. Jesus, the man of hope, is here. He's in this room. He's ready to meet you. So I want to ask you just to stand with me, and I want to ask the worship team to come. If you just close your eyes for a minute. Get settled where you are. Prayer team, would you come, please? I've been thinking a lot about the work God wants to do inside our hearts. Can can I tell you, the, the older I get, the more I realize the brokenness and the pain and the layers of wounding that sin causes. And the more aware I become that Jesus is really the only hope for that. been praying for you today that even on a even on a time change day when your body is tired or disconnected that somehow the holy spirit would re- reach through that and speak to your soul and you would hear the call of god to draw you to a place of relationship of new identity of healing of wholeness That God's heart for you is a heart of love. It's not a heart of rejection. God really does want to make you whole. And and my prayer has also been that God would open our eyes. That we could see how much we need Him. So with every eye closed today, I want to ask you just a few questions. Where do you need hope? Where do you need hope? Maybe maybe you would think about it like this. Where are you stuck? Where have you expended energy with no result? Where have you sought to get help? Where have you sought to break free? Where have you gone around and around the same cycle, the same circumstance? I I tried to forgive, and I just couldn't do it. I've tried to let go, and and for some reason the memories won't fade. I can't let go of what happened. I tried, I tried, to, I tried to separate from this, I tried to get free, I tried to, you know, I, I fought this sickness in my body and I've tried to recover and it's just not, it's just not work, I've gotten worse. I've tried to fix this marriage, I've tried to heal this friendship, I mean, I tried, I did all that I know to do, I don't know what else to do. I tried to overcome this habit, I tried to overcome this sin, I tried to fix myself I, I tried to stop this compulsive behavior. I tried to not live in fear. I tried to have sleep at night, but the anxiety keeps me up. I tried to stop worrying. I tried. I've, I've bankrupted myself on it. I've, I've tried. And I don't know what else to do. Can I tell you, when you, when you touch Jesus, wholeness begins to fill your life. I've tried, I've tried this and I've tried that and I've wore myself out and I don't have a solution, I don't have an answer with every eye closed today if you say, you know what I want to try Jesus today maybe you say, you know, I've prayed but the answers just don't seem to come You, you know what we need sometimes when we hurt? Sometimes we don't need the answer. We just need Jesus. We just need Him. We just need to meet Him. We just need to meet Him again. And maybe that's where you are. With, with every eye closed, if you say today, you know what? I just need the hope that only Jesus can bring in this point in my life. But one, one more question. Who has God given you to talk to about Jesus? Who has God put in your path? Who has God put in your life? Who has God given you influence over that He wants you to plant a seed of hope in their life? Who's around you? Who's close to you? Maybe today you want to come and have a prayer team member agree with you. God, I I pray today that you'd give me the opportunity. I pray today that you'd give me the opportunity that I, might, that I might plant the seed. Help me to do it, Lord, this week or next week. or Help me to do it. Help me to see the doors you're opening and plant the seed and talk about you that hope might fill the room. Everybody doesn't react perfectly to hope. But it doesn't matter. The seed's still planted. Regardless of how they react, if it's done in love, the seed is still planted. sometimes even when we do it wrong the seed is still planted because God's love is greater than ours so this morning I want to ask you if you need hope in an area of your life, you need prayer God's put someone in your life that he wants you to plant a seed of hope in as I begin to pray for you I want you to come and let the prayer team just, just minister to you and as you do what you're doing is you're You're coming to say, Jesus, I want to meet you in this circumstance. I want to meet you in this uh, situation. I want to meet you over this person in my my neighborhood, at my work, in my family. I want to meet with you today about them. And when you meet the man of hope, things begin to change. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you you would draw every person that needs to meet with you. Lord, I pray you would touch this morning by your power. Would you just come right now as the worship team's singing and just let the man of hope meet you in this moment. Let the man of hope meet you today fresh, meet you new. Someone's on your heart. Someone the Lord has put in your your path, put in your way. And if he hasn't, I want you to begin to pray and say, ask him, Holy Spirit, show me, who have you put in my path? Who have you put in my way? Who have you put around me? Lord, move today. Move today by your presence.